0: Welcome, one and all, to Spider-Man 2, superhero stuff you should know, the power of the sun in the palm of our hands. What's up? This is Spider-Man 2, and with me as
1: usual is... Andrew. And read my name, please. Websplooge Boogaloo. Boogaloo. Boogaloo, sorry. (laughs) It's
0: a little small on my screen because I have a a bunch of windows for this
1: presentation. Boogaloo. Websplooge Boogaloo Bush. Yeah, Electric Boogaloo, you know how it goes. The second one, man.
0: <laughs> so welcome, everyone. So, yeah, we are continuing the Raimi Spider-Man trilogy, going into Spider-Man 2, widely regarded as the best of the trilogy. It's the Dark Knight of Spider-Man movies in some ways as the uh, second in a trilogy that was widely regarded. Roger Ebert said it was the greatest superhero movie that he had seen at that time, I think,
1: wow. from what I remember. okay.
0: So, high praise. Um, though, yeah, and uh, who knows what he would have thought about stuff later on, but for this one, for yeah. sure, it is, uh, you know, it was a hell of a movie to see uh, in the theaters. I remember being really excited once I saw that review from Ebert, and uh, it didn't disappoint for me in the, uh, in the theater. So it's good to take a look and see what could have been with a lot of these, as well with the uh, concept art.
1: Yes, Michael Chapin and others, I'm sure we'll get to that mm-hmm. later. Uh, really brought it. He was one of the writers. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: so I was looking into this too because we did get a comment about, about that. So I was looking into the history of Spider-Man 2 and it started with the guys who did Smallville, Al Goff and Miles Miller. Really? Uh, they did the first draft, according to what I've read, and that one included Doc Ock along with other villains, which we'll get into in the Patreon preview this week. Uh, and it was uh, Michael Chabin who came in next, who said, you don't need the other villains. Just put in Doc Ock and Spider-Man. And so it's because of him that things once again remained focused on one hero, one villain.
1: Have you seen my Pulitzer? <laughs> so Adam, thank you. That's probably he, how it went.
0: Yes. So it was because <laughs> of that. And... I haven't read his draft but uh, I did watch a video interview where he talked about it. It almost sounds based off the interview he implied that that was the main thing. <laughs> that was his main contribution was <laughs> keeping it down to Peter and uh, and Doc Ock. and Hey, that's uh, a
1: really good note though. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a really over-crowd good note. this shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and then after that is Alvin Sargent who I think did ordinary people. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Um, again, like high caliber you got Michael Chabon uh, you got the guys from Smallville, and you've got the guy who did, you know, Ordinary People, all collaborating. Well, not together, but like all working on this script. And I believe Alvin Sargent, according to one of our fans and patrons, Kira Minthead over at the Screenplay Archaeology Podcast, uh, Alvin Sargent was the one who kind of brought everything together, taking the best elements of the Goff and Miller stuff and the Chabin stuff, and and forming the Spider-Man Two that we ended up seeing.
1: Okay, so that's for kind some of the I, history. For some reason, I thought it was Chabin alone. I guess I. Needed to do my homework on that one, my research.
0: I'd be curious to read the script, though. Yeah, yeah. So let us know if anybody has it, though. To be fair, I haven't uh, done that much of a search of it yet myself. So maybe it's easy to find online, so we'll see. Okay. Uh, But anyway, we are going over the concept art for uh, this week. And as you can imagine, a ton of it's going to be on Doc Ock. Just a lot of it.
1: Tentacles
0: galore. You're going to see more tentacles than you've ever seen in a single episode than in this. <laughs> More so, than
1: any of that anime you saw by <laughs> if yourself. You, if you like to fondle a...
0: tentacles, this episode is for you.
1: So let's go. Oh my
0: god, man! Before we get into uh, tentacles, though, let's go into uh, Peter's apartment. Yes, where the tentacle action will happen.
1: Boring. No,
0: uh, no but this is these are concept art by uh, Peter uh, of Peter's apartment by Jamie Rama. Uh, and uh, it's I mainly included this as well because of this concept, which is the next slide. It is almost uh, supposed to be the almost like the basement of Peter's apartment, or par- Peter's apartment was above a TV repair shop, as we see here uh, in these original concepts. That's not the case in the actual movie, but I guess they were playing around with this concept. Uh, Will Reese is the uh, concept artist for this one, and uh, they never use this in the final film, but here's a bunch of the the store guys uh, playing cards, and maybe this is where uh, you know, because there's a similar scene with Mr. Dikovitch, the uh, the landlord, in the movie, asking Peter to pay rent. Maybe the idea was that Dikovitch was going to be down there playing cards in the TV repair shop and yelling at Peter to to pay him the rent. I don't know.
1: But. It needs to be that guy from uh, Oh man, I, forgive me, I forget his name, but uh, the guy from Ace Ventura, Ventura. <laughs> yes, Satan. Oh, I thought you were somebody else. (laughs) To me, he was, (laughs) growing up with Ace Ventura, he was Mm -hmm. the landlord (laughs) of all landlords. (laughs) Peter.
0: So, this would be, uh, this was kind of a cool book to stuff, but uh, that's that's not what we got, and that's fine. That's fine. I see why you did it. You wanted to show the
1: contrast. Not Mm -hmm. boring.
0: Yes, less boring. But let's go into what we all were looking for. Doc Ock, we have a shit ton of Doc Ock to show you guys. So this is the first one that we see here. This is from James Carson. This is very old school, very, uh, you know, close to the original Steve Ditko uh, Doc Ock look um, and stuff when he's like in the laboratory experimenting because originally the tentacles were things that he used to help him in his experiments and stuff. So uh, the idea that he's behind his protective glass as the tentacles are doing their work are kind of, you know, very similar to what we saw in that comic and so Carson is just kind of bringing the comic to life in this uh, little concept art here. Moving further, we got Ock, who now has the tentacles fused to him in this piece by Jim Martin. Uh, and it looks like he's raging in his lab or apartment or something at the TV, <laughs> uh, knocking over one of his lamps, two on the left here. So an interesting setting that we didn't end up seeing in the movie.
1: This is like if Cronenberg made... Uh... Doc Ock, I think it's kind that's of realistic, comparison. yeah, yeah, and uh, body horror ish. It's like this is, I mean, it's fun in a horror way, but it's like kind of not as fun as Raimi, you mm-hmm. know, so, Right. a little bit yeah. different vibe here, really. Yeah, I like the shadow
0: too, I like the silhouette of his hands.
1: Yeah, that's cool, that's a nice yeah. touch. It is so, cool.
0: Uh, I think the most. Widely seen version of the concept art is this next one from Paul Catling. Um, it is quote unquote one of the designs that stuck, according to Neil Spisick, uh, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, and uh, Spisick was kind of in charge of a lot of the, uh, you know, concept art department. So a lot of these artists, whether it's Paul Catling or um, Will Rees or you know James Carson, they were all working for Spisick in this. So uh, this is very close to what we got in the movie with uh, sort of the shirtless. Octopus, uh, Octavius, uh, walking out after the, the <laughs> hospital and stuff, sort of bare-chested with the, the stuff that's been fused to his stomach. So very yeah, close it's... here.
1: Yeah, especially the tentacles themselves, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty much exactly what they made, right? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, this is what we got
0: in terms of the behind, like what we see behind uh, on his back. Uh, with the neuro inhibitor chip we've already been blown off in some way, or maybe they just didn't add it to this one since there's, he's supposed to have that chip in the back of his neck that got blown out uh, that lead the tentacles to sort of take over his mind. So, so
1: speaking of what exactly yeah. what you're talking about, so it's not too much of a tangent. Sure. It's going into his mind. Like the mm-hmm. way they portrayed the tentacles kind of talking to him, it was like, Look, I know this is probably because of my upbringing coming from the evangelical South, but Mm -hmm. it was like, it kind of feels like it though. They made it like the snake, like the snake was trying to seduce, seduce him into something. I like Like that. Yeah. They made him like snakes, like trying to make him like become evil, become become sin mm-hmm. in a way. You know what I mean? Like that was the, that was kind of one of the main things I was thinking when I saw the movie.
0: I didn't, I've uh, never thought of that connection in all the ways that uh, in all the many times that I've seen it. But that's true.
1: That, yeah, that's, they're, there's are the are coming there. to him, and he's like he's like, oh yeah, you know, talking talking to the fucking the you know talking to his own tentacles, kind of. It's like a snake. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's so perfect because the way tentacles you know the look similar so it was a really good thing they did
0: yeah for sure for sure uh moving further so uh this is one of paul carling's final illustrations for doc ock Uh, we have the trench coat look over the bare chest that we got in the movie very close to what we ended up getting and uh it is quote unquote it reflects months of creative collaboration by the filmmakers in terms of uh this final look they went with for ock in the movie
1: Yeah, pretty cool. I mean, no notes from me, (laughs) pretty much. You know, yeah. So
0: uh, we have some other. We have a ton of other stuff. So this is a. uh, This is by Alex uh, Tavularis. Tavularis, uh, a very early insertion device. As you can see, this is kind of like an early concept of what the tentacles could have looked like when he's experimenting with them in the beginning. Um, and uh, it just feels very bulky in some ways, but it kind of makes sense in terms of it being, you know, the beginning where it's just him and using this device as a tool and maybe presumably that, like, backpack, knapsack-looking thing gets blown off and it gets fused to his back in a more sleek way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's kind of bulky, but this is like a prototype kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Like you said, yeah. yeah, and you can see the ends of the tentacles are very different. I mean, look at that. I mean, each one, yeah. each yeah, one it's... has a different end to it.
1: Yeah, that's uh, okay. I mean, I, I like what, what we got more, but yeah. this is
0: it's not Definitely. terrible. Yeah, this is kind of the early stuff beforehand. Um, this is a similar idea where it's almost like a fitness contraption <laughs> type of thing that he uses to he like does a press in order to like bring the tentacles to his back it looks like uh, so they were playing around with this I guess as another way to to have him put him on
1: Dr. Swaltavious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is when Arnold was in the when he was in the works I guess was he ever uh,
1: supposed to be Doc Ock
0: well that was the uh, that was kind of the rumor for the, uh, uh, the Cameron version but I don't think for Spider-Man oh, 2 right. I don't think he was ever in consideration
1: gotcha okay
0: yeah So let's see, we have more like a close-up version of how the tentacles were supposed to fit to his back. Uh, And then another look at something closer by James Carson. Um, Carson said that he uh, created one image of the insertion device and arms that looked a bit like a crustacean. Uh, He wanted the feeling of a parasitic alien creature uh, so that you would have the idea of it being like another intelligence coming together with Octavius's intelligence.
1: Raimi wanted that.
0: Yeah, um, and Carson was the was the artist who brought that idea to life, or was playing around with right. this idea, which I think is what ends up in the movie, right? Where you have this very alien looking. They're also yeah. kind of like the Sentinel uh, tentacles from the Matrix, not the Sentinels from X Men, but the Sentinels from the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. With the uh, with that sort of look to them, so I think that was really cool.
1: It I I think it does get across like them having their own intelligence, right? Mm-hmm. It's been a while since since I've seen the movie, yeah, but it definitely comes uh, across, right? They don't they don't outright say that though, right? But it definitely comes across. So yeah, you never
0: hear their voices. Melina sells the fact that they're t- you're, they're talking to him, but we never actually hear the voice.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, and being tempted like the snake, mm-hmm.
0: which yeah, I guess yeah. goes to show the quality of the writing and the performance that like we never needed to hear the tentacles' voices in his head. He was able no. to, we knew what they were saying based off of his
1: responses. The evil AI, dude. It was very topical. We just didn't know it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh,
0: another look here at the same thing. Again, that like spinal thing that like goes all the way up to, uh, to his neck that has that neuroinhibitor chip. That, of course, plays an important role in this that prevents uh, them from being able to control him until the experiment creates the, uh, you know, basically causes it to explode and creates the fusion hmm uh, A little bit more from Carson as well of uh, how it was supposed to attach to his back. Again, playing around with this because this is an important aspect, of course, to uh, you know the character, so they wanted to make sure that they would get it right. So of course, we're going to see a ton of this. Uh, more of the harness and the tentacles from Paul Catling here, uh, with his arms at rest. And uh, this is where we bring in one of our former guests, Tim Flattery, who worked nice. on Batman Returns, Batman Forever. Dringle all the way. He was worked on a ton of Marvel stuff and Spider-Man Two was. I don't think it was the first Marvel one he worked on, but I think maybe the second because I think he worked on X-Men, X-Men Two. Okay, Um, okay, but I might be wrong on that. Actually, let me look that. I'll look that up uh, between now and the break. But uh, he definitely (laughs) has worked on a ton of the Marvel stuff, including uh, recent Marvel stuff like Wakanda Forever, Thor: Love and Thunder, uh, and uh, it's you know it's clearly. One of his fortes is, is working in the superhero realm. And so, uh, we've got some Spider Man 2 stuff to look at here with a lot of the tentacle work. Uh, this is the end of the tentacles uh, that we can see. And I think uh, we have an even
1: more snake like snake-like
0: look to them in this.
1: Oh, man. They're right really, yeah. yeah it, it would really look like what I was talking about if they did this. Yeah,
0: I know, right? Right. So, yeah, we got that. And, yeah, I just looked it up. Tim did work on uh, the X-Men movies. Okay. So that would probably be, yeah, that predates this. Uh, but, yeah, the tentacles are here. Uh, well, if, if, Flattery,
1: if, if Flattery did it, I'm, I'm going to just like it already. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh,
0: I'm sure uh, he'll have a lot to say when uh, we talk to him about this type of stuff. But, this is uh this is interesting i'd lo- I'd love to hear what this is supposed to be because this looks like another look at the end of the tentacles, but it's like little there's like readouts on it from what we can see here um I'm not really sure uh yeah what they were playing around with, but we could take a you know we could ask them and see what they were what they had in mind
1: yeah i mean I have no idea looks cool i mean just yeah. probably maybe just wanted a digital look added to them for some reason yeah. I don't know
0: it's a possibility yeah. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is back to James Carson and look at the fusion device that causes the entire you know explosion to happen that creates uh, Doc Doc Ock. So uh, this is a different type of setting that we got in the movie where it was kind of uh, set up in, in you know Ock's lab looked a lot less sophisticated, more like more of like a home type of lab. Here it's it's a lot more sophisticated, a lot more of like a it's almost like he's in an Oscorp um, special like silo type of thing. Um, this is another look where uh, Carson wanted the fusion to you know, take place in a closed environment, saying, in this option, I imagine being him being encased in a translucent f- sphere, which might contain the reaction. Um, so we get a similar thing in the movie, but not quite this. Uh, mm-hmm. that this is in his, him in an actual sphere in this, whereas the, uh, the movie kind of has him inside something that kind of creates the circular like look to it, but isn't this literal sphere like this. Okay. Uh, this is another look here at another possibility, a more traditional laboratory setting that Carson was playing around with. Um, they said that it was, quote, a less fantastic environment, something more generic and believable. As fantastic as Spider-Man is, Sam has always been concerned that the vibe be grounded in a believable environment. So that's kind of why they played around with this. This is a little bit blander, I think. It's just kind of a regular laboratory uh, maybe it's just the whole fluorescent light look and all the white coats and stuff, but I, I like the style better. And, you know, uh, what we got in the final movie as well. It was like, you know, something like this.
1: Yeah. I think what's in the movie is probably better. I don't hate this, but it's a different vibe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh,
0: more from Carson in terms of the lab. Again, the lab was an important thing because this is where you need the, uh, like you need the origin to take place and it needs to be believable. Um, this almost looks a little bit like, I don't know. I think it's just the. I'm just looking at the brick arches, uh, at the top. But this almost looks like it's almost underground, in a way. But I think maybe that's just right. what the place looks like.
1: This just supposed to be some sort of reactor for Doc Ock, or what was yeah. This again? Yeah, as he
0: as he's doing his you know fusion device um, oh, yeah. for his experiment. So uh, this is you know another look at what his lab would have looked like as he was you know experimenting and uh, going to find ways to uh, you know. Again, bring the power of the sun in the palm of his hand. Uh, this is all to create uh, you know clean energy and
1: stuff. And of course, it you all were bringing the wrong. power of the octopus to your back. <laughs> that's what it looks like anyway. That's what that's what he ended up doing. <laughs> it's instead not,
0: of getting the power of the sun,
1: it's not much of a sun vibe going on. Um, yeah, it's, it's the reactor. I know I get, it, but it's, it's yeah. the reactor powering <laughs> the goddamn things. But still, yes, it's just funny
0: yeah this is for sure a different vibe to it uh this is more this is a colder environment this is almost kind of reminds me a little bit of the uh a little bit of dark city
1: dude i thought you were gonna say that yes (laughs) fucking dark city dude um my god look kids if you haven't if you didn't live in the 90s do yourself a favor watch dark city Mm -hmm. for the love of god uh, just just go watch it. It's <laughs> it's one of those movies that really stuck with you, right? Mm-hmm. And it had a really cool look like this photo. So I'm, I'm going back on track.
0: Yeah, so it, it does look like this. like this. I wouldn't be surprised. You could like see Kiefer Sutherland's like scientist character in the background yeah. working on shit in, in this type of thing. So I uh, could totally have that vibe.
1: What was that line that guy said? I found a way out. The A-train. Or something like and that. He, he ju- yeah, jumps he goes in. Right in front of it. Yeah. 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 Oh God, dude! What a what a so great hidden gem of a film there. So yeah,
0: check that out, guys, if you haven't already. Yeah. Uh, this is a little bit of a less Dark City of a look here, but not in, too in, much in, less. But not too much, <laughs> considering you've also got a guy in like Vitruvian style, Vitruvian man style on this thing. Yes. That's very close to what Rufus Sewell's character in Dark City ends up in. Mm. Um, so yes. this is another way, I guess, for Oct to get the tentacles. Again, they're just really playing around with multiple different ways that this guy's how this guy's lab would look, and how yeah. to explain uh, these things. And because uh, it's important, you need people to believe that.
1: It reminds me of Lawnmower Man.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's probably more. Yeah, I think it's a little bit more of that vibe than Dark. A little less Dark City, still a little bit of Dark City, but more Lawnmower Man.
1: Somebody pointed out that like. They should, when they reboot movies, they should reboot movies that kind of weren't great, but had a lot of potential. And I think Lawnmower Man was pretty good, but that movie was brought up. And I was like, yeah, that movie probably could be redone and made a lot better Mm -hmm. now, especially with all the AI talk again. Yeah. So, that's true. uh, So, yeah, but yeah, this is kind of, um, you know, just a slightly different vibe. This is the second movie, so they definitely have like they know what Raimi's going for ultimately. Mm-hmm. But I yeah, I don't know. They just wanted to draw something dark, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Right. It's fine.
0: Uh, let's see. Going further, um, similar type of vibe again with the Vitruvian Man type of thing, just from another angle.
1: This sort of reminds me of uh, the Large Hadron Collider at CERN. Mm-hmm. Sorta. Of. It's. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't. It has like a big long tube though. Uh, but I don't know. There's something about this that reminds Similar me vibe. of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe some of the... There's there's just a lot more, like, white to this lab. So mm. maybe some of that, that sort of clean, sterile environment type of um, yeah. feel to it.
1: Lab coats. Yep.
0: Uh, another look. So we're getting a little closer to what it looks like in the final film because the actual, like, fusion reactor thing was more of this thing that kind of formed a sphere but also sort of looks like uh kind of looks like ox tentacles at the same time
1: Mm. you see
0: here where it's like the outline of a sphere but it's not an actual sphere and so i kind of like they settled on something like this which i think is a nice mix of uh, what you need you got the sphere type of shape but you also have the hints at ox tentacles so it kind of fits in with the same
1: aesthetic it looks cool i mean from a like artistic standpoint and look, you guys are, like, doing conce- conceptual art for big directors. What do I know? I can barely even draw myself. But, like, there's, like, no focal point in this image, I think. <laughs> like, it's it's pretty – it's kind of a random perspective. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, whatever. It that's almost cool. feels
0: like this was meant to just be a backdrop when they were supposed to, like, put something else in there. Yes. There yet.
1: Something's missing, I think. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's, yeah. like, in
0: progress. Mm-hmm. like awk was supposed to be like in like a little bit to the like center right. Yes.
1: Something. Yes, exactly. That's it's just some it's weird. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it does look like you're peeking in. So that's yeah. something.
0: Yeah. Uh, another look too at the fitness device. Again, <laughs> this <laughs> Arnold just pumping iron as, as the thing is, <laughs> is coming towards him, but we can kind of see it like outlining this green grid on his back as it's coming towards him. Kind of mm. cool.
1: Matrix style, kind yeah, a little bit of standing Matrix standing vibe, yeah, uh,
0: and then another one. Again, they were really into this whole idea of him doing this like little press thing as it as the uh, the tentacles come for his back.
1: Because I maybe guess we need to explain that. Maybe you're supposed to like hold on to something because it's painful for a moment. You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, potentially, uh, or he has to stand still and stuff. I think is in the movie. I just I kind of just remember it coming up and attaching to him. I don't really remember another device that he used to put the tentacles on himself. So I think maybe they just mm. th- thought, you know what? Do we spend all this money trying to create something like this, or do we just kind of use some editing? And when we cut to his back, it's already like crawling up his back, and then that's it. You know.
1: True. Yeah. So. It's a lot, lot more CG. It's a whole other budget item. It's just mm-hmm. a whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: moving further, this Whoa. is... Yeah, he's getting about to get caught in the explosion. This is James Carson again. Um, we're back this to the Dark cool. City vibes.
1: Very cool, though. I, I mean, I like this one. Yeah, I like. I always like this kind of this kind of
0: art. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is a very classic silhouette, too, of Auk in there with the tentacles. Uh, so I like the silhouette.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, this is supposed to be him post-accident. You can see with the, the bandages around his head uh, on that, but it was mainly, uh, this is by Adam Brockbank, and this is mainly to show off how like his back would look with the tentacles.
1: And you got to figure it out. you got to mm-hmm. figure it out.
0: Uh, and then another look at the accident itself from James Carson. Again, very different from the movie, which is, it was a lot more orange here. It's you know more of a blue, lightning type of look. It's almost like he's getting struck by lightning in this part as it freezes right. to him. Uh, so this is uh, another interesting look. And it's almost like he's, uh, I guess he's getting flown back due to the impact or something, or he's been floating in some way um, before he gets hit. So
1: To me, I, I read it as him getting hit and being thrown back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and then this is the aftermath uh, of it where everything's all fucked as we can see in the in the center and then is his broken body uh, over there. There's nobody in this uh besides Octavius whereas in the movie obviously there's a bunch of people there including Peter and Octavius's wife. But uh, I think maybe there was just they they just didn't put the people in this so that they could just have more of the architecture in there. I
1: don't know. Mhm. I mean, yeah, it looks cool, it looks like a bug kind of. Yeah.
0: Yeah, like or a, like a bug that's been squashed in some way. Like a, hi- <laughs> like a hive,
1: like a wasp nest or something. Yeah, that's true. Sort of, with just light inside of it. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of my, what, I, what I'm yeah. getting from it. Yeah, I can
0: see that. Uh, this is Auk returning to his lab. Uh, we'll see other versions of this from Carson later on in here, but uh, we are going to start taking a look at Auk, you know, basically post-accident with some of these. So this is from Alex uh, Tavolaris, where, uh, <laughs> as you can see, he's got his tentacles holding multiple things, including, if you look directly to the right of his face, a hot dog. someone yes, above it is pouring uh, mustard <laughs> on it. Uh, so uh, it's designed to illustrate just the, uh, quote, unquote, the precision and dexterity of uh, the arms, <laughs> the tentacles and stuff. Uh, so it's uh, that's... <laughs> and he's reading a book down below uh and holding or maybe or maybe he's pouring ketchup and he's got mustard in the other hand. It's kind of hard to
1: read uh these with this, but
0: you get the picture. It's yeah, so he's like he's, he's got multitasking.
1: Multitasking like crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know Molina and the Doc Ock body type, you know, probably mm-hmm. eats a hot dog every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is fine. I do yeah. I mean I like I like that he's not a jacked dude. It's cool he's got like a normal yeah, body. he's supposed to be a scientist. He's not supposed yeah. to be a bodybuilder, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so moving here, uh, Alex Havelaris again on the left from what looks like him, you know, post accident after getting out of the hospital, and then we would get the sort of the the look, the similar look on the cover of the Daily Bugle in the movie the Doc Ock still at large, uh, article in the front here. Um, So this was, uh, prop master was Douglas Harlocker who commissioned graphic artist Francois Adoy uh, to create these bugle, you know, the bugle covers that kind of were based off, this one specifically kind of seems a little bit based off of the Tavalaris art on the left here.
1: Looks pretty cool, pretty, probably pretty quick drawing, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's cool to see him kind of lift himself up like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure.
0: Uh, And then we have at the top Ritz Glitz Glamour at the Planetarium Fundraiser, which I believe is foreshadowing that uh, fundraiser where uh, Peter shows up and uh, MJ is going to be basically marrying Jameson's son and stuff. So I think uh, they're already kind of having that connection in there. Uh, Paul Catling has a little bit more, uh, much darker, You can barely really make out Doc at all in both of these. Yeah. There's almost light spewing out of these tentacles as well. Kinda I mean, weird. they
1: probably could have that function, right? I mean, they could. Pretty, yeah. pretty scary scene too. Could be cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So it's a little bit of a Matrixy vibe in terms of like the real world in the Matrix movies, right? Um, with this, for, for how dark it is. But uh, overall, like that's a. This is pretty much a lot of the uh, the Doc Ock stuff. So a, a ton of concepts, a ton of, a ton of exploration on. So sort of the lab and how the tentacles are going to work and what the tentacles should look like and what he should look like when he has them all on. So, um, as we can see, like, they have to put a lot of thought into the designs of these villains and the explanation and origins of these villains. So uh, I think that's kinda of just be a common trend as we keep going with these Spider-Man movies is just, all right, here's this villain and all the, like, 200 different ways that they tried to, to render him or her. So, uh, well, it's him, I think, for everybody. Uh, all the
1: movies.
0: So, uh, uh, so far, I think uh, we like the, you know, the Dark City vibes with some of the lab stuff.
1: Definitely. They, they definitely went a lot darker for kind of 90% of it for, for mm-hmm. Doc Ock, which is interesting. I wonder, I wonder why they did that. It's no, I mean, if it was the first movie, you know, you could kind of tell, you could understand because they don't, they didn't know the overall vibe Raimi was going for yet, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, the vibe was you know the overall tone was pretty much pretty much similar to the first one. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see them experiment with how how dark it is. Maybe they maybe they just wanted to see just very scary Doc, doc Ock, you know yeah, mm-hmm. and go from there.
0: Yeah, I think so too. So it's cool to see. Uh, but uh, coming up when we return from the break, we will check out a lot more concepts for different scenes. DocOx ruined lab, uh, and a deleted final shot. But until then, uh, we have the break. Welcome, everyone, to the August announcements. We have a lot to uh, to share with you uh, coming up this month, so let's get to it. As you know, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash superheroes.pod. <laughs> uh, we use the money for this towards, you know, our recording space at StreamYard that we've seen here in all our episodes you know our server, our website. You know our, our assistant Daniel Mott, who does all the visuals and thumbnails for us. So we are currently sitting at a little less than 200 a month right now. We'd love to get to 300 a month, which would cover everything for us from month to month um, if more people join the Patreon and we reach $300 a month in Patreon, we will celebrate that by covering one of our most requested episodes, Superman Lives, which would have been directed by Tim Burton and starring, as we see, Nicolas Cage. So that is our goal, to hit $300 a month on Patreon. You can be help us get there by joining any of the Patreon tiers at patreon.com superhero stuff pod, and, uh, you know, help us out a little over that.
1: It'll be an absolute Superman Lives bonanza multi-parter. Oh, yes. So, y- <laughs> you know, so you get your money's worth. Yeah, yes. we'll, don't <laughs> worry, we'll go. We'll cover the <laughs> shit out of it. We yes. just want to get to that new goal.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you, everyone who's already part of the Patreon as well. Uh, in the meantime, some uh, upcoming stuff that uh, you guys might want to be on the lookout for. I will have a guest appearance uh, this month on the podcast Flashbacks, a Flash Rewatch podcast from one of our friends and Patreon patrons, Alex Ramsey. Uh, And we're going to discuss the Man in the Yellow Suit episode from season one, which was the very first appearance of the Reverse Flash on the CW show. At least the Reverse Flash in costume, since he was already kind of part of the show before that. But yes, that'll be uh, (laughs) what we cover. And uh, I'll likely be on Alex's Night of the Batman podcast at some point as well. But I'll let you guys know comes all right so uh moving forward uh you've heard about this before but we'll repeat again we are executive producers and co-stars in an award-winning now it's an award-winning independent short film by jeffrey scott richards you can support the film over at the gofundme link that will be uh, in the description below as well as what's on screen but you can also watch it now at the multi-dimension independent film festival website uh, that link will also be in the description, but you can check it out. It is a uh, it features pretty much us in an exclusive recording. It is a superhero stuff uh, you should know episode we recorded for the movie in which we talk about Derek Magnum, who in the short is a um, is a director of comic book movies. So we talk about Derek uh, in that and uh, kind of serve as the narrator and exposition through a superhero stuff you should know episode. So a um, great use of us i think personally so uh check yes. that out over at uh, over at uh, basically the site is mdiff.net slash derek hyphen magnum so uh, that is what we got for it was our, uh, our shorts
1: go ahead it was an honor to be part of this and mm-hmm. uh, yeah if you could support them and support you know it's 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 just very expensive to make a movie and you know mm-hmm. uh yeah if you could just check out his goFundMe that'd be great
0: yeah, and um, and uh, thanks to thanks to him, we are now award-winning producers, executive producers, <laughs> yes, <laughs> on stuff on our IMDb. But uh, yeah, this sending the films through film festivals is uh, not cheap, so the GoFundMe goes towards the cost there, and, and it will support the movie. Again, it'll go towards the movie, and it'll go to Jeffrey. It will not go to us. We're good. We got our Patreon. <laughs> uh, so um, just to <laughs> yeah. clarify that.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Over to Andrew. On you've got something big coming up this month.
1: Okay, so speaking of uh, you know indie film, uh, and the future is is Kickstarter. I feel like an IndieGoGo. So this is Metal Force. This is uh, again. This is think of R rated Power Rangers meet Stranger Things. A little bit of X Files. Uh, Green Room. That eight twenty four horror film. Where Patrick Stewart is a is a villain, is a neo-Nazi. No neo-Nazis in ours, but <laughs> uh, but there's a punk band in that movie, and there's a metal band in ours. So that's another one I've been meaning to tell people. There's a little bit of green room in there. Anyway, Metal Force is a film I'm working on, and uh, it's going to be we're going to have a booth at Japan World Heroes Convention. That's in the Burbank Marriott Convention Center, August 18th through 20th. We will have a little bit of stickers and stuff to, to, that'll be on sale, and um, just say hey, and we're going to officially launch the Kickstarter. Then, uh, Metalforce.ninja, Ninja www.metalforce.ninja. That is our website. That is our URL. If you go there, there's a Kickstarter link there as well. You can yeah, you can find the Kickstarter there and, and get on the pre-launch page and sign up for pre-launch. Uh, before we launch it on the 18th and uh, so far as of this recording we got 75 so if you want to kick us up mm-hmm. into 100 uh that'd be cool uh and yeah you know it's uh this is going to co- connect to the next slide but it just feels like hollywood has failed us and so mm-hmm. i feel like kickstarter and uh indiegogo and gofundme and all these are just really great avenues for for filmmakers now and um you know, like the Bat in the Sun guy has been doing it for a while. A lot of people have been doing it. Mm-hmm. And I am going to be part of that. <laughs> so, yes. with some friends. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, stay tuned. Metal Force, if you like Power Rangers and Stranger Things. Did you ever wish Power Rangers got darker? Did you want blood? Did you want limbs being ripped off? Metal Force.
0: Mm-hmm. Amazing.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: And uh, moving on We have our August charity That we'd like to share
1: Yes So it's the Entertainment Community Fund This is to help uh, Starving artists No I mean Hopefully they're not starving But people Well some of them might be uh, People that are affected By the strike We're not all I mean personally I am too But I I have another gig That's kind of helped me out But there's some people That don't have that extra gig And people that aren't Part of the union That don't have The strike fund the unions have a strike fund that helps help support them during that, which mm-hmm. is great. I am pro union, but some other people, some other people, and people that I know also are affected by this that aren't part of the union. They don't get the strike fund money. So mm-hmm. this entertainment community fund uh, helps to support them. So this is our charity for this month. Please go to entertainmentcommunity.org, and if you could donate anything. That'll be great.
0: Yep. For sure. So, yeah, please visit entertainmentcommunity.org, donate what you can and help out those who uh, you know, are part of so many of these movies and TV shows that uh, we talk about and that we know that you guys love. Yes. So, I think that is it for the August announcements.
1: Just wanted to announce that I have a new podcast called Gaming Guiden It's about Japanese to English translation in this first season. It will be 10 episodes each season. If you saw the ranking every Superman video game two-parter we did here on Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you have seen Mike before. So yes, if you like video games, if you've been interested in Japanese ever, we're going to be talking a lot about just Japan in general, Japanese cultural differences as well, And we also are gonna have a lot of talk about 90s video game magazines, such as Electronic Gaming Monthly, AKA EGM. So stay tuned for Gaming Guiden Podcast. It's already out now, y'all. I wanted to tell you about the Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And on that, you get the $1 tier uh you can join the one dollar tier which gets you the shout out on the board and either visually or aurally, or both at times Uh, (laughs) we want to do the aural uh for the most part uh for newer people uh and then the five dollar tier gets you a whole new show uh this show is every monday as you well know and it's free on youtube and the what's nots and um (laughs) The uh, Patreon show is every Friday at the $5 tier mark. You can, if you want, binge us for 5 mm-hmm. bucks, And uh, there's like 150 episodes, uh, almost 150 at this point. And you can uh, you know, listen to all that content there. Even the stuff that's been released from the vault, none of that has been the full episode as well so mm. <laughs> trying to keep our uh, $5 tier people happy <laughs> so um, <laughs> so but yeah check that out and then our $10 tier gets you all of the above plus a uh it gets you a monthly meetup show where you meet up with us monthly and it's like a zoom like call and we have a topic at hand or sometimes videos we react to and things like that and that's at the $10 tier um every tier that you get like the $5 tier gets you the $1 tier benefits and the $10 tier gets you the $5 tier benefits and the $1 tier benefits. So mm-hmm. check that out at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We also got the merch, which is Redbubble, superhousepod.redbubble dot and on threadless, superhero stuff pod Get your Ben Man and Indeed Wizard mug, shirt, shower, curtains, and all the rest artwork by Stefan Santa Cruz. And please send us some audio at superhousepodcast at gmail.com. A bumper would be great. Mm-hmm. You too can be part of the show. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives as my other YouTube channel, one of my many YouTube channels. And I have uh, also thunderwolfdrew.com has my whole portfolio in one place. And that's it. Ben.
0: Follow us on social media on Twitter at SuperHousePod, Instagram SuperheroStuffPod, where we have some different supplemental stuff. We've I've even analyzed the martial arts stance that the Keaton ornament from the Flash is in, so you can check that out on our Instagram SuperheroStuffPod, <laughs> uh, TikTok SuperheroStuffPod, Vero Superhero stuff Pod. My website is BenwanWriter.com, where you can read a whole bunch of spec scripts, including Gotham Vampire, Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland. If you're fans of any of those shows, check them out and let us know what you think. My YouTube channel is in the description below, including Doctor Who, the Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, edit, and narrate with the 8th Doctor, meaning Miyamoto Masashi. My personal Instagram is benwanrider. If you like cats, my son, Alfie, my cat, who is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. And if you have an Alfie yourself, then you can get the Whisker Box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady, and gent and you can even check out another page on that website superherostuffpod.com slash show notes that includes uh various show notes for each of our episodes links to the scripts that we review if they're available online amazon links to the stuff we've been talking about including you know brian levant's book that he plugged for us my life and toys so check that out at superhero stuffpod.com slash show notes
1: lord have mercy y'all do you like hounds do you enjoy pooches Do you find yourself enjoying time spent with that of canines? Talking about dogs, y'all. As
0: you might have heard...
1: Why do you smell like shit?
0: And we are back, and we're gonna go over the different scenes of Spider-Man Two rendered in concept art by the different artists, including once again Tim Flattery uh, at some point. So, uh, but before then, we got this piece from Will Maddock Rees again. Uh, so this is Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock on top of that sort of clock tower um, that they have the big fight on for a couple times in the movie. Um, so. According to Will Rees, quote, the point of this image was the architecture of the clock tower and how the city around the building would look with these, as we can see with the light coming down, sort of God's fingers of light streaming down as Rees described it. (laughs) So uh, interesting look on that. I don't think we really quite got this look for like the city, but the clock tower is pretty close to what we got in the movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty angelic. Mm-hmm. A pretty, we didn't even have a shot this wide, probably, I think, right? I don't
0: remember. Yeah, I don't remember it looking like this. It was yeah. usually pretty close when we got to uh, Doc Ock and Spider-Man fighting. Yeah. Uh, we have this other look here set during night, and this one's kind of a little bit a little lighter uh, on stuff, but uh, uh, Reese said, quote, I've done a lot of day for night illustrations, so doing night for day was fun and challenging. Alex Tavalaris did some... Co- Clock Tower concepts that Andrea was working up into architectural plans. Also, my Clock Tower work concentrated on the action between Spider-Man and Doc Ock, like we see here. Uh, And so we can kind of see that they are fighting at the top there, and uh, the scale just sort of shows just how huge everything is. You know, like Spider-Man and Doc Ock are tiny. You you almost miss them if you're not, like, looking in their direction.
1: And the tower's just really, like, Doc Ock's colors too, kind of. That too, yeah. The so Doc really Ock tower, into it. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and then we have this other look here of uh, Doc Ock at the top with Spider Man, you know, sort of web-slinging his way away, temporarily, I'm sure. Uh, so we've got this look, and then we got some from our pal Tim Flattery on Doc Ock <laughs> himself. Now that Ock's in action, we have that sort of matrixy look with the sunglasses and the long coat, um, and once again, some what looks like lights coming out of the. Uh, the ends of the tentacles there
1: looks kind of like Sandman, also.
0: Oh yeah, the DC uh the Sandman.
1: The DC Sandman, yeah. This kind of they got that vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool.
0: And then we got this one, which is like a more. This is not what we got in the movie, but sort of like a more refined look to his clothes. You know, like it's a little bit very very long, uh like cape like <laughs> coat in the back yeah. there. Yeah, uh, so pretty cool. Uh I think looks... maybe he'd evolve into that. That's not something that he would look like in this movie.
1: It looks like kinda like Darth Vader. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, with that yeah.
0: the way that a cape was flowing back. Yeah. And the I guess the sides too, you know, like around his shoulders, like yeah. that area. Mm-hmm. So pretty awesome, Tim. Yes. And then this other one with Dark lifting a car. Uh so they wanted to sort of show the scale of this, but this is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. It looks like a 90s album cover of some, <laughs> of some sort. It's like an industrial band. Maybe
0: that was the inspiration. We'd have to ask
1: him. Yeah, something like that. Let us know, Tim. Yep. That'd be good to know. Good to find out.
0: Let's see. Moving further, we have this one from Will maddock Reese again with Doc Ock. Basically, looks like this is him escaping the hospital. After taking out all the doctors and the surgeons and stuff, because we can see that it looks like the open area, um, open garage and an ambulance is like right there. Uh, presumably the one that took him there. So uh, he's like on a rampage coming out. And again, just dark city vibes with the city. And it's a much darker look at the city than what we got in the Raimi movies.
1: Yeah, a lot of this, dar- this art is... Uh, i mean this shot is cool though i I mean i wish i had some more to say i mean the city does it looks cool doc ock looks cool i don't know
0: it could just be reese's style too because i noticed a lot of his stuff is kind of like this dark uh stylistic look which is really cool just not quite what we got in the movie but still like you can see why uh you know sam raimi liked his stuff yeah uh there's another one as well of spider-man this is not a scene in the movie, but we have a lot of the criminals being sort of caught inside of a net that's hanging from the mouth of a lion gargoyle. And uh, Spider-Man just chilling out. It looks like unmasked. Again, yes. this is just concept art, of course. Uh, but uh, this is interesting because we never really got a scene like this in the movie.
1: Kind and... of ba- Batman-esque
0: a little bit, a little bit, it's interesting too because when I saw this, I'm just like, it feels like a little bit of a spider, like, obviously a Spider-Man movie, but, like, it feels appropriate as a Spider-Man gargoyle look as opposed to a Batman gargoyle look, and I think maybe it's just because of the lion, this, and also the style of it, like, it feels like a newer type of gargoyle as opposed to, like, in the Batman look, it's, it's usually a, uh, like, an old school European gargoyle look, and this one looks a little bit more of a of like a more modern age.
1: Like it's not from stone, you know, it's it's part of the building, so maybe that's part of it. I don't know. A little bit less art deco. Oh, this is kind of art deco ish, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's definitely got more of a Spider Man vibe. But it's funny yeah. that his villains are the, the bad guys are caught in the web under there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it looks like they're uh they had a bag of money and the cash is coming out of it, which uh, if, if that's what Spidey deliberately was trying to do, then it does have echoes of the Cameron, the James Cameron script, uh, scriptman, where he had a scene where Spider-Man kind of just gives away all this drug money to uh, the city <laughs> and stuff. And so that's uh, an interesting tie-in to that unmade script. Moving forward, we have... Uh, this was an interesting scene I liked. So this is Donk's, Doc Ock's ruin lab and he returns back to it a broken man, which we didn't really see in the movie. He kind of just went to that sort of like waterfront, like area, and decided this is my new lab. But uh, it looks like he returns to the scene of the accident, and he had his own. We can see Molina here. He had his own Vitruvian Man illustration of himself <laughs> uh, on here. Not really sure why delusions of grandeur. <laughs> I guess so. For the
1: villain, you know.
0: And then we've got this freaky looking, I don't really, I'm not really sure what this is because it looks like there are pieces of paper coming off. Uh, it's not like a funhouse mirror reflection, but it almost looks like a zombie-esque type of thing.
1: You're okay. Here. Oh, look, I don't know how they would have done this in the movie, but my read mm-hmm. on this is like, uh, <laughs> they got real artsy with it. we are already got the Vitruvian man kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think this is kind of like the duality of man kind of deal or something like he got angelic figure and then demonic mm-hmm. figure they're the same man uh, there's they got uh, you know both wolves inside of him or whatever so I, Could, I that's yeah. that's what I think this is probably supposed to be an artistic rendition of mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a mirror and he's seeing kind of both and maybe it's the uh, you know in this case it's the uh, the tentacles influence on his mind.
0: Maybe, yeah. I mean, so maybe the reason why they cut this is they didn't really have a justification for why Octavius would have that in his lab before the accident. It makes sense after, right? Because he he knows. Um, but here, you know, because he presumably would have had this before the accident, right? Maybe they just figured eh, it doesn't make sense. It's cool artistically, but story wise, there's really no good explanation for this. So,
1: right. <laughs> right, right, right,
0: right. Uh, but kind of funny. It's amusing to see Molina's face there because that looks more like Molina than the Doc Ock facing him.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know? looks like Brendan Fraser almost to me. <laughs> but in terms of the uh, the Ock whose back is towards us, I mean, yeah, this his face in the picture. I don't yeah. know why I think that. Sometimes I'm I see. The, I think it's the, the hair. It's yeah, something weird. Yeah, I don't it's know. The hair, anyway. yeah,
0: it's Molina's face but with like a different hairstyle.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, the hair's kind of Brendan Fraser-y, I think, in the mm-hmm. 90s. Uh,
0: so this is interesting stuff. On the left, we got Jamie Rama's art of Ox sending the car through the diner when Peter's talking to to MJ. And then storyboard artist David Lowry worked on how it looked in the storyboards. But uh, Dan found this very funny take on this. And this is funny because of the fact that all the guys running away through this are members of the art department.
1: that's cool man
0: in here Uh, Alex Tavalaris is the one who does not give a fuck and is just sitting and sipping on his coffee (laughs) on this
1: that's cool Um, I like that I don't know if I can't
0: tell if Tim oh I think it might be Tim it might be Tim in the white shirt who's on his uh, like who's like being sent back by. Mm -hmm. I don't know it's hard to tell because of the uh, you know, everything's
1: all kind of meant to be blurry, and everyone's kind of looking smaller. But kind got like action blur, except for the one dude in the middle, which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. By the way, the that font, way. the font here at the bottom, they used that font, Spider-Man 2 font, I think, for mm-hmm. the PlayStation 3, like on the system. Mm. And, uh, like it, it kind of, to me at the time, it kind of gave the vibe. Was like, is there like a permanent tie-in with Spider-Man with the PlayStation 3? <laughs> but it's just that sony loves that font it's just a yeah. sony it's a sony font the sony font yeah i i guess so that was the that was what that was but anyway that's i, I still think of that think of that to this day
0: and it's interesting too because certain fonts will evoke you know certain movies yeah so it does yes. make sense that that you would have that connection to it uh, it's it's very rare for me to see the uh, you know batman 89 font for how it said batman on the posters, and uh, whenever I see it again, it's hard not to associate that with the movie, even if they like use it in like a generic sense because they use the same font on the cover of the No Man's Land novelization, but it just it looks so eighty nine ish in terms of the font because it is the same exact one, <laughs> the same exact font. It feels so. Uh, it's it's yes. interesting how it almost feels like you kind of need to have your own distinct font for the title of the, your movies,
1: especially these major movies. Except uh, you know. The, the funniest one is Avatar. They use they use papyrus. Yes, I saw the Ryan Gosling sketch of that one. <laughs> Man, that shit's hilarious, though. I, I love yeah. that it exists. You got the most expensive movies in the fucking world, mm-hmm. made by one of the biggest guys in the world, and their main logo, they use fucking papyrus. They just use Comic Sans next time. <laughs> we we, we spent the you?
0: money on everything else. Yeah, we ran out so. of we ran out of
1: budget on the graphic design department. My God! By you got to stick
0: with our Microsoft Word options.
1: Gosling is as funny as he is handsome. You got to see Barbie Man. You haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet, right?
0: I haven't seen it, but I know he's funny. You know, I've seen dude. him in a bunch of comedies or comedy movies with comedy elements in it, where he's funny, like The Nice Guys.
1: He's so funny, dude. He's mm-hmm. <laughs> he's funny as Ken. Anyway, moving forward. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's see. Going further, we have—I teased this in the beginning. This is a deleted final shot. So, one of Sam Raimi's first ideas was to have the shot of—well, um, actually, let me let me preface this real quick. Let me back up. So, for those who haven't seen the movie in a long time, the finale is MJ deciding to leave Jameson's son at the altar and go to Peter's apartment, where she, you know, basically professes her love for Peter and they decide to get together and then Peter hears the sirens and she tells him to go get him, Tiger. And he takes off as Spider-Man. So what we see here are two different versions of the idea that Sam Raimi had that we would see Spider-Man swing out with MJ still in the window gazing out at him in the background. Okay. Um, which we didn't get to see in the, I think in the movie it's the shot is on her and we see the reflection of Spider-Man taking off. Uh, so, okay. Okay. This is, this is interesting. And would have been a cool shot. The top, It would have been. Yeah, the top storyboard is by Jeffrey Lynch. And the bottom one is, once again, Will Reese. Um, so kind of having this finished illustration of it. Overall, pretty cool. Um, I'm not really sure why they changed it. Maybe they thought it was too difficult of a shot, is my guess.
1: They probably wanted, uh, again, I mean, okay, so it's been a while since seeing the movie. But just my thoughts on it. Like they wanted that last scene to be sort of from the perspective of MJ, you think?
0: Maybe. Yeah. And in terms of her gazing out on him and and us sort of like we're happy. the vibe I get from that as well as like, we're happy, but also kind of know that, um, and maybe I'm wrong on that last shot and kind of need to rewatch it again. Uh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm just fucking wrong on this. Uh, but from what somebody I remember, somebody will correct us. That, it's sh- fine. that shot was there, and I think it was like, "Hey, we're happy that they're together," but is hinting at Spider-Man Three. Like that's not going to solve all the problems, you know. Like there's going to be, there's still going to be a conflict between his Spider-Man side and his Peter Parker side, mm-hmm. as like being MJ's boyfriend, which we see in, in, in Spider-Man Three, which I imagine they had the idea, not necessarily of. The whole movie at that point but probably knew that hey we're going to end it this way and we do a third one it's probably going to show that like it's not exactly happily ever after it's not exactly like oh you got the girl and now like your life is just good now and well balanced like "Mm," no not exactly so i think maybe that's that's what they wanted to portray as opposed to this where it's just kind of just Mm-hmm. it's a cool shot. Maybe it was trying to hint at like, oh, he has to leave MJ behind, but he's kind of been doing that for the last two movies. So I don't think it really has, maybe it doesn't have quite the same meaning.
1: Yeah. I mean, this shot would be sort of from Spider-Man's perspective more or less. And the other one was, mm. is from her perspective. Uh, yeah. Again, just talking about filmmaking as much as we can, like what perspective is this scene from? Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't want to like unless you want to do it on purpose. Again, there's not really any rules in art,
0: you mm-hmm. know.
1: But like a guideline is that you kind of want the perspective to be the same through at least throughout the scene, if yeah. not through the whole movie, if you can. But it does movies do change from scene to scene. It does happen, mm-hmm. but yeah, but. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they thought it was awkward, or they just uh, Randy just liked the other one more. I, for I don't know why. It, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's cool. It's cool to think about. I I like this shot. It would have been it would have been a cool shot too. But uh, yeah. maybe he says it in a behind the scenes somewhere, and maybe somebody will say that in the comments. I don't know.
0: Let us know. Let us know. But it is a cool shot. Uh, and then the last one. We ended last time with a video of the goblin mask. Now we're going to show some test shots of. Uh, the tentacles. So, uh, we have here... Sit. Very cool. Um,
1: Edge effects. Cool okay, Edge I FX know statistics. these
0: guys. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, them physically moving it as well. Um, this guy now in the sort of the matrix look of the sunglasses. And the <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the hospital scene. Uh, this is him reading where he's got the tentacles on him. Kind of cool. Uh, but yeah. This is... These are all kind of the different ways they were going to bring this to life, and this uh, is it's cool, pretty awesome.
1: It's all practical, man. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, man. I don't know these guys personally, but I can just kind of tell, like, <laughs> effects dudes, man, and, and dudettes, They love this shit, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like they fucking <laughs> like they're comic book nerds. I'm not gonna say any specifics, but like I've heard of effects. People in meetings kind of correcting um, producers on comic book knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> like and they had somebody to, has to and they had to they had to go back and change the script I think or it wasn't like a total re overhaul but uh, oh wow but it was like a, a little detail they had to change at least or something but mm-hmm. uh, and that anyway I'm not going to get in specifics on that but stuff like that happens and. Yeah, I could just tell by the by the that footage, man. I you know they love that shit, man. Oh yeah, just like yeah. you and I would, you know, and do so. Yeah, to be able it's cool. to bring a
0: comic book to life, especially like Doc Ock's tentacles, where you're like, you're the first time in live action where this is gonna happen. Yeah, um, I'm sure that was just it's a dream come true, and I'm sure they had a ton of fun. You could tell based off that video.
1: Uh, yeah, it seems like a lot of fun. It's the first Doc Ock in in live action. It's it's quite the. Uh, Kind of the privilege to do that, so mm-hmm. really cool, and and I ended up being one of the best ones ever, you know. Yep. So yep. I remember before we go into the last part, I remember I was in college, my second year maybe, and somebody from this movie before it came out, they they'd come to give a speech on visual effects or something, and so I was there. And somebody asked, like, who's the next villain? And I guess I wasn't checking in on movie news because I'm sure it was online. Mm-hmm. But uh, somebody asked in the crowd, and he was like, oh, well, it's going to be Doc Ock. And then the crowd went wild. <laughs> and that was my first time learning, too. It was like being in Hall H, kind of, at, at Comic-Con, San Diego. And uh, that, was, that, before the movie came out, that's actually my first memory of Spider-Man 2. Was just being in college and and mm-hmm. being with somebody that worked on the movie, so <laughs> which was yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I don't.
0: I don't remember actually when I found out it was going to be Doc Hawk, uh, for Spider Man Two, or I think it might have been the thing where I kind of just assumed that's where they were going to go. Um, I don't remember. Yeah,
1: I mean after after Green Goblin and and after Venom, which is another story, but like. Wouldn't you say Doc Ock is like his, like one of his top villains? Right. Oh, yeah. It makes yeah. total sense they did that.
0: Yeah, and the, there was also, um, you know, the fact that they were exploring the idea of having Doc Ock for so long uh, when they were developing yeah. the first one that it just seemed like, well, clearly it's going to be him. You know, without without really... It's not like they had a hint towards it, too. Like, in Batman Begins at the end, it's very clear, like, Joker's the next villain uh, when they reveal yeah, that yeah, card. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't really a surprise when they said, Joker's going to be in the second one. I'm like, well, of course he is. It would be weird <laughs> if he wasn't. Uh, but this one, like, there wasn't really a hint that, like, Doc Ock is coming. It was just kind of just generally assumed, I guess, because of the fact that they had been trying to play around with the idea of putting him in the first one it ended up not having him in it and had Green Goblin instead. That uh, it seemed like okay now this is the time for us to do that. So yeah, I don't. It's it's weird. I don't really remember when I found out or how I found out or having much of a reaction to it. I might have just been just like, well, yeah, of course that that's what they were going to do, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I you know I I don't think that that guy spilled the beans in front of my school in Savannah, Georgia. That must that there's no way that was the first time that was known, but uh, that was the first time. I found out about Mm -hmm. it, and apparently the rest of the fucking crowd also, because the people went nuts.
0: Yeah, and they wouldn't have if they all knew. So I
1: kind of, I miss those days,
0: man. Like, I miss those days (laughs) where, like, you just didn't know, and then, like, (laughs) stuff like that. Something as small as just like, oh, like, the the next villain, well, I guess that's not small, but you know what I mean? Like, something like that would have, like, a big impact when you go to a live event like that, and now it's just, like, one click away
1: um, every week. Yeah, we used to not know shit, and it was great. <laughs> yeah, I know, and, and
0: it's it's now kind of just I, I I miss the feeling of it being like monumental when they're like, oh, this guy is going to be the the villain in the next movie, even mm. though it's going to come out in like two movies. And now it's just like, eh, all right, yeah, that's that's fine. You know?
1: Well, a lot of it's too is just being spoiled left and right with nonstop superhero content. Mm-hmm. You know that was still that was well before the MCU, and you know we had just gotten one good one and a couple good X Men movies. You know, so it was we were mm-hmm. kind of on a roll, and um, you know we just weren't, but we still weren't spoiled yet, not yeah. quite. Yeah, you know now they could make a movie about um, you know Groot's grandkids, and nobody would bat an eye. Yeah, you know, like it's just they're gonna do, do everything really. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah miss those days but uh yeah it was nice to lo- take a look through the memory lane of all these different concept art and, and see what it took to bring doc ock to life in that movie and you know i think everybody can agree they pulled it off
1: do you like one or two more
0: i actually think i like one more really um, two okay. for a couple reasons um i think for i'm i think it's because of the fact that uh I think each scene in Spider-Man 1 is similar to Batman Begins. I feel like every scene propels something forward, whether gotcha. it's the story or, or um, some, like some introduction, like the just the sheer economy of like the first five minutes of Spider-Man. You know who Peter Parker is. You know what he wants. You know who his best friend is. You know the villain of the story, and you are just about to, do, to watch the origin. That's all set up in the first five minutes, as opposed to I feel like these days you would get, oh, here's Peter Parker. And that's it for like the five first five minutes. Uh, right. So like there's the economy of that that I don't think Spider-Man 2 quite reaches. And then I just kind of felt like the Doc Ock, even though I like Molina's performance and stuff, the fact that he is once again another you know, scientist guy who is friendly to Peter and then went into an accident <laughs> right. and then right. is like kind of right. controlled by this outer force and isn't really evil, but this outer force is making him evil. Uh, And has Oscorp ties. I'm just like, it's a little repetitive. Right. Uh, They got away with it because of just how uh, good the rest of the movie is. Because the real heart of Spider Man 2 isn't necessarily, oh, this villain, or um, how well they portray the Spider Man versus Doc Ock dynamic. It's more about, like, Peter's life, like, Peter Parker, his story, and trying to get with MJ. Like, that's at the heart of uh, Spider Man 2 a lot more, I think. And Doc Ock's just kind of the antagonist for all of that which is an interesting approach but yeah that's kind of why i think i i do prefer one over two that said i still really like two but i think yeah. it's a similar thing to batman begins in dark Knight, where i'm just like mm, i like the first one better even though most people like the second one better
1: i can see what you're saying i might need to see one and two again i haven't seen them in a long time man you know i saw them in the theater a couple times each and mm-hmm. then i i got the you know like a good fan i got the dvds when they came out Watched them a couple times then, but I haven't really seen them a whole lot since then. It um, would be, be kind of interesting to put eyes on them, on them now, uh, especially after going over so much, like, going over so many scripts and stuff over the years with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I can see what you're saying. I, you know, I don't really, I know I said, like, this. the two was my favorite of the Maguires, but uh, it's kind of a testament because I I don't love Doc Ock generally, you know, like he's mm, yeah he, yeah I I know Spider Man's supposed to be silly and hokey, especially in his early years and stuff, and you're supposed to love that, but I don't know that's just is the the look isn't super cool. Like the look for Hobgoblin and Green Goblin are, are cooler to me mm-hmm. overall. Yep. So if we're going over looks, <laughs> if we have the same story beats, like you said, mm-hmm. looks wise probably goes to green goblin more and Hobgoblin's even we never even really got hobgoblin in the movies right nope not yet i, w- I wish we had gotten because it was hobgoblin was even more badass he looked even more evil <laughs> but <laughs> and he was mark then, hamill in the cartoon and then Venom's my favorite, but they fucked that up royally, pretty much, you know. Uh, in general,
0: they have not; they haven't nailed it. In general,
1: Andy has been the only one that make one any 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 like worth a damn, worth a fuck. And it's not even great; it's just kind of accident. Like I keep saying, Venom Two is like, ac- like kind of like, accidentally good. Like what the fuck? Is this- I, my brain can't even wrap around it. Like right. if you ever see it, Ben, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay, and, and we at I I believe Alex. Of the what mean podcast agree with me he said that it, he enjoyed it as well so mm-hmm. i'm not alone um and they're making another one so i guess i'm not alone uh, yeah. definitely not alone mm-hmm. but uh i think what two had going for it was it definitely i remember it feeling grander yes I, you know it was a more epic scale mm. and it was a they had upped they had upped the scale from the first one which and, and the rest of it pretty much came together. So I did love that. But this is the one where they take the mask off and everybody sees it, but everybody just kind of agrees to mm-hmm. look away kind of thing. That scene I thought was kind of awkward. And his face when he's like... <laughs> you know, everybody. I remember being in the theater. It kind of took me out of it, man. Like I know... A little bit, yeah. McGuire's not Brad Pitt, but it's like... <laughs> I don't know, man. It just, looked, it just looked weird to me, but... yes. Anyway, you know, um, I remember liking it quite a bit. Uh, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll probably have to see him again to really judge. But uh, I can see where you're coming from.
0: Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, they're both solid. You
1: know, I, I, yeah.
0: I, do, I, I do really love both movies. So I think that it's, you know, it's not really one or the other so much as it's just like one slightly above the other just because of what I said.
1: Right. So, yeah. 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 For sure. Uh,
0: but yeah, for sure, it had that that grander feeling, that epic feeling, like you you really felt like you were watching something special and something emotional when you really cared about what was going on and you didn't really want to, you know, have the experience end.
1: Oh, last thing I'll say too, since we're rounding this out, mm-hmm. uh, I know I always bring up Japan shit, but I lived there for three years, et cetera, et cetera. These movies, to me, as far as I can tell, uh especially Maguire one and Mm two are like the only, the only Marvel movies that have been like a legit hit in Japan. Mm. I don't even think, I think the MCU has had is like, they do kind of okay. You know, like they're not bombs, but they're not like mega hits, but the Mm -hmm. Maguire ones for whatever reason. And I've heard many Japanese people talk about it. They love them. Mm. And, like more than Batman, more than any other superhero film I've ever heard them any of them talk about. It's always about these first two Maguire movies. So something uh, interesting culturally going on there, you know. They and of course you know they love the that he's a teenager, or younger. You know, it's a lot sure. of Japanese yeah. culture stuff getting into that. But but mm-hmm. you know, uh, I always thought that was interesting. It's interesting that
0: those two would not like every Spider Man. Like the one because I'm just like okay I would get it if it was just like okay one and two and then like maybe one of the Garfield ones and then you know the last couple of Tom Holland ones but just these first two I'm just like okay well what okay. happened afterwards I
1: well I think it was just new at the time mm-hmm. uh, and so I think Spider Man out of anything Marvel is Spider Man's always like kind of going to be at mm-hmm. the top in Japan yeah. and they had their own TV show too there's some cultural mm-hmm. you know there connections there with spider-man uh you know and common writers like a bug-like character and you know like any Mm -hmm. kind of bug kind of thing i don't know what it is it's just something they connect with i guess and um i think that they've all done okay but the mcguire ones maybe because they're first they just really hit it off like if you mention x-men no one most people people don't, don't know what you're talking about again i was in japan in 2008 when the dark knight came out Mm-hmm. Fucking nobody even know what the fuck it was. I was, like, losing my mind. Uh, good thing mm-hmm. I had the internet so I can talk to American friends. <laughs> right. uh, but, 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 um, and, dude, Iron Man 1, because it was new. MCU wasn't even, like, a thing yet. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, like, barely a thing. I Dude, I saw Iron Man 1 at home. I never even saw it in the fucking theater. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? I was, dude, I was living in Japan. Different time in my life. But, anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, Spider-Man, you, you know, pretty big in Japan, and like yeah I don't know I've like I don't know This it's it's an interesting topic interesting topic
0: yeah Yeah. well let us know guys which one you prefer Spider-Man 1 or 2 I think a lot of people prefer 2 but let us know maybe there are other people who uh, are like me on this but until then that is superhero stuff you should know Big thanks to our research assistant, Dan, for gathering the visuals for this. Let's move on to the fan comments. Woo! Uh, so Braxton Wages, welcome back, Braxton. You uh, this you had a comment on the unused Batflick uh, concept art where I pointed out an image of Jeremy Irons in a hat, and I was just like, I don't remember what this was. This might have just been for a costume test. Braxton has filled in the deets saying, quote, the scene where Alfred wears the hat in BVS is at the beginning of the funeral procession when young Bruce leaves Alfred's side and runs into the woods. Uh, okay. I consider that scene, but that makes a lot of sense. Yes. So, thank you, Braxton. Thank you. Uh, moving further, Brandon Spain commented on our uh, video essay on Carla Gugino not being Zack Snyder's choice for Catwoman, but kind of just him chiming in on that being a cool fan idea. So Brandon said, Carla would have been a phenomenal Catwoman from the 2000s to 2010s. Her performance in Spy Kids really showed that. There's scenes of her sneaking around, being stealthy, cracking jokes, and her introduction dressed in black of shades going, Do I know you? is exactly what Selena Kyle would do to Bruce. I remember when I heard this back in 2019-2020, in terms of her being Snyder's choice, uh, I was a little mad, but now seeing that it might have not been planned, I guess there's some relief.
1: (laughs) You're welcome, Brandon. You're welcome. Good to, re- to relieve you. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you
0: for this and filling us in on uh, uh, on more evidence that she would have been good. Well, I think she would have been good. She just was not, like, people act like there were actual plans in place when there really weren't.
1: Were you a little too old for Spy Kids, the first one?
0: I was, yeah. I've, I've Actually, I've never seen any of the Spy Kids.
1: I never have either. I was well too old for it. I mean, I watch shit for kids all the time, but that's just one of the ones I haven't. <laughs> but i got to say it probably i could tell it's pro- if i was the, of the age i probably would have been into it
0: yeah yeah i could i could also see myself going back and like enjoying it from the lens of like being a 2000s kid uh yeah. and watching this. so like maybe i'll check it out let's see
1: yeah the first thing i remember that like like a kid property coming out that i was just like mm, maybe i'm too old for this was pokemon <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was around the same same with that. I've never, the only Pokemon thing I've I've really experienced is Detective Pikachu.
1: Yeah, I've, I I did see that in the theater too. Yeah. My little brother was in it and was was into Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just like, for me, Elder Millennial born in 84, like I, I feel like a lot of people like kind of stopped at Power Rangers. Anything post Power Rangers was just like we were done. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I mean, I don't know. That's just my experience. I'm not trying to uh, shit on anybody else, but uh, yeah, Spy Kips was even after Pokemon, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'll, I'll check out at least the first one at some point. Uh, yeah. If anything, for Carly Gugino,
1: sneaking Ro- around in, in black. <laughs> yes, and Robert Rodriguez ran. directing it, right? Yep. That Directing it, I think writing it, doing the effects, like he does everything in that in those movies. At least the first one. First it's also the introduction
0: of Danny Trejo as Machete.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> you know Rodriguez is cool. I support Rodriguez. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
0: All right. Last one comes from Stanwood, uh, thirty-two. This was on your uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem review, um, saying I agree with the lack of what the foundation of the turtles originally was. The martial arts. The martial art code of ethics was sprinkled in each comic, each story, comic-wise and movies. That is what is in their DNA and why Splinter is their sensei. The feel was off for sure.
1: Oh, man. so if you guys don't know, this is in one of my uh, weekly videos, which which was a review for Mutant Mayhem, the Ninja Turtles movie, recent one Mm. by Seth Rogen. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you had the same feeling I did uh stan it was just i mean look it doesn't have to have it and it was a good movie overall but that it did it was just something kind of missing and they they kind of just like learn martial arts from videos and shit which does kind of you know keep it's in keeping with them just kind of being in the sewers the whole time Mm -hmm. but you know it was there was always something cool about splinter being a rat from japan and also, having what's the point of jackie chan being splinter if you're not gonna have him
0: you know like it doesn't make sense
1: you know i think like they didn't they didn't want to like say splinter was chinese and they didn't want to say splinter was japanese because jackie chan's chinese i think there was a whole thing there kind of yeah but they'd figuring out also, the the cultural appropriateness not yeah, appropriation but, but what's appropriate right
0: even in rega- uh, outside of that though like if you got a major martial arts star as the voice of this guy who's typically the sensei why wouldn't you just have him be the sensei
1: he is the sensei and he is the sensei but he is just like, like again it it make they it makes sense in their story in their mm-hmm. story they all kind of get the ooze at the same time in new york so, and so that means that Splinter has never been to Japan. Okay.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. So
1: there's where the change to the lore is. Whereas in the old one, you literally have <laughs> a little animatronic <laughs> rat doing kung, not kung fu, doing ninjutsu. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, <laughs> kind of shadowing <laughs> some guy in Japan. Some oozes in Japan, and then that, and then Splinter moves to New York. Mm-hmm. somehow and becomes the father of the of the turtles so i mean it is more outlandish but it's fucking ninja turtles for to begin yeah. with so so yeah. like it's this change to lore which kind of like everything involving the lore with japan and martial arts is like slightly changed in, in mutant mayhem and you know what what they they changed it to something that made sense so i don't hate it entirely It's Mm -hmm. just the – something about the martial arts of it all was glossed over in a way Mm. to me. That's true. But But, you know, I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. We're going to get Shredder in the next one. Spoilers, you know. But – and there will probably be more martial arts shit in that. I hope so. You know, they they call this one Mutant Mayhem, right? And Mm -hmm. Stefan from the old podcast, he said the next one should be called Ninja Nightmare. Ooh. which would be a sweet title because you're gonna have a lot more ninja shit uh, with Shredder going mm-hmm. on. So that's cool. Keep and the that other th- the other thing too, the old lore has, you know, Splinter and Shredder having some beef mm-hmm. in Japan before they ever come to America. So that whole deal is going to be different now too. Yeah, and you know they took some they took some liberties. You know they always do. It's fine. You know I'm nearly forty. <laughs> what, what you know they're 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 not going to keep it the way I want it. To yeah. this look, let me know anybody out there. To this day, there is something better. The best Ninja Turtles incarnation ever is probably that 2012 series, the Nickelodeon one. Uh, you know I think the first the first Ninja Turtles movie in 1990, and then 2012. The, the Nickelodeon CG one best ever so far right. I, I haven't seen Rise yet I've heard Rise is actually quite good once you get used to it I haven't seen that yet and, but anyway um, that's where my rankings are and thank you for commenting on this and thanks for bringing it up Ben nice alright on to the shoutouts alright I want to see more tit based names here okay guys so we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna thank <laughs> we're gonna thank Tita And Titbout, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get them out of the way. (laughs) Yes, of course. Uh, And then we'll go back up to Slight Rebellion off Madison. Mm -hmm. And uh, because he's part of the $10 tier. And um, thanks to everybody else, part of the $10 tier, of of course, for sure. And then um, Bruce K., Sketchcraft, Kyle B., Darren P., Devin, Renee V., JPF, Devin S., and somebody random, Dan D., it's been a while mm-hmm. and uh, Alex of the what mean podcast you're back on uh so I saw that and everybody else has just recently joined as well everybody of course everybody super inframan everybody mm-hmm. um man lay oh it's been a while sorry I've been doing just the more recent ones lately and I I, I you know uh anyway yeah thanks to everybody of course and uh, uh other supporters as well as well spark again SCCT productions Robert Schumann Kooky and noms, Kooky. Do you still listen to us? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe you you, you, you dropped off. Mm-hmm. Send us send us a comment if you if you're going. Oh man, Matt Herring, RIP. Whoo.
0: Yeah, uh, we're obviously gonna keep
1: him on. Yeah, keep him on. uh Jackson Putnam, everybody, man. E H Walter the Wobot. Let's just do everybody here's Tway Ends Joey. That's a W dot Media. Paul G Watson. That's at Stage Bet. These are all on Instagram, by the way. Shamrock Balls, mm-hmm. Elijah B. Uh, yeah, sorry if I missed somebody. That's it. So, Rye Guy. Rye Guy. Sorry it's about Rye Guy. Last but not <laughs> least, Rye Guy and Wells. Thank you, everybody. And we've told you about our friends. and We'd like you to do us a favor.
0: We want you to tell all your friends about us. <laughs>